0: Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of The Pulse. How's it going, Deb?
1: It's going great, Andrew.
0: uh, Before we jump in, I just wanted to let people know that if they're driving around today, uh, this is Friday, and uh, if they're driving around and they're in Sturgeon Bay, they should head over to the water because they might get a a big surprise at the marina, right?
1: Yes, a big surprise. There is a cruise ship docking today. It was supposed to dock, I think, at 11 o'clock this morning and then the passengers were going to be disembarking there's a tent set up down there, destination Sturgeon Bay, destination Door County. They had welcome bags. So they're going to be around until about six o'clock.
0: So if you want to see a cruise ship, probably not as big as you might think, considering all of the thousand footers we have down there in Sturgeon Bay. Right. If you want to see a cruise ship.
1: That's very true. I mean, because this would be a big boat if it weren't for that. Good point.
0: Or if you just want to, you know. If you're noticing a bunch of cruise-looking people walking around Sturgeon Bay, that's
1: why. <laughs> or what they look like. The Ocean Navigator is the name of the cruise ship.
0: All right. So all my boat nerds out there, if you want to go see a cruise ship, it's Yes. Here, but only for a bit. So if you're listening right now, run out right now. Deb, did you bring your saxophone?
1: My saxophone? Yeah. I, I did not. Oh,
0: because I wanted to use a, a little bit of this time at the front of the episode to toot around horn a little bit.
1: Oh, well, it wouldn't be a saxophone. What horn would it be? Probably the clarinet because that's what I was forced to play when I was a kid.
0: You played the clarinet.
1: I did, and I don't like reed instruments.
0: No, I don't either. Yeah, they're I just like, kind of funky. Yeah, I like like direct. I like wind instruments, but it's got to hmm. be like a direct. Yeah. Like an ocarina. Yeah. Because reeds are they're just they're, they're just weird. Yeah, they're challenging. Right. And they get wet.
1: So maybe it would just be like a bugle.
0: Wait, no. There's a difference between a reed and whatever the thing is that like is wood. Right? Yes. What is that?
1: The reed is. Okay, now you're really taxing my memory of it, but the reed is something that you had to insert into. Yeah,
0: okay, so that's the reed. Those are gross. Yes, and they they get get disgusting. Yes, right. but then like a flute is, you don't put your mouth on it.
1: I guess you're not supposed to, but I never played the flute.
0: Right, that's the one that's more challenging.
1: Okay, well, I like strings. Maybe we can string this, or drums. I mean, percussions are just fantastic.
0: All right, drum roll, please. Drum roll. You can't just say you have to do it.
1: Well, I don't know how to do it. I think you would probably be able to do it better. Do it.
0: All right. Drum roll.
1: (laughs) See, I knew you'd be good with sound effects.
0: We won a bunch of awards. We did. So you went down to the Wisconsin Newspaper Association Award Ceremony, and you, you picked up just a couple for the Peninsula Pulse. How many did we win?
1: So we got 32, and we were pretty happy about that. You know, We learned about it quite a while ago, because they normally hold this award banquet in March, Because of COVID, they decided to hold it in June. Not the best time for us to leave en masse from the office to go down and do that. So it was just me and Dave Elliott to go down and pick them up. And then we're going to have a big party later on because there are so many people who have received these awards. And of course, it's the entire office. All of us are, I don't want to use the metaphor cogs in the (laughs) wheel, though that's sometimes how it feels. But we're so interrelated no one can do anything here without knowing that they have the support of somebody else doing, you know, a, another task, another job. It takes all of us to put this paper out. And as you know, Andrew, for this is for the last year. So it's from August of 2020 to September 1 of 2021. So it's always of course a year back. We submitted in, you know, the numerous categories that they have. And we were working on a, with a skeleton crew at that time, as you recall. I mean, we hardly had anybody here. So it is just so really gratifying to, you know, get that kind of peer recognition. We also won Best in Division. So our division is weekly newspapers, 4,500 in circulation or greater, and that is the largest weekly category for the state of Wisconsin. So we received the best in division for all weekly newspapers of that size across the state.
0: Yeah, that's great. It is. We uh, we work really hard every week to put out the best paper we possibly can. And it was really gratifying to be recognized for that. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, Thank you to all of our listeners and everybody who picks up the, the paper every week. We we do it for you. And uh, it, I guess it's gratifying to know that all of our hard work, it, it pays off. Like, yep. not only do we try to put out a good product, but I think we do. And, and this kind of shows that.
1: And that's a really good point because we don't write for awards. I mean, we do write for the communities. We do write for the readers. We do the podcasts for the listeners. We do need to get the podcast in one of their award categories because they don't have one right now because right. newspapers don't normally have a podcast like this.
0: Yeah, it, it wouldn't be fair. Because exactly. Because we, we would sweep that for sure.
1: And we would even if there were other podcasts.
0: Yep. I agree. <laughs> so that's our, that's our, our horn-tooting segment. Yes. Um, I'm really proud of this publication and I, uh, I'm glad that we were able to do as well as we were able to do last year.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So let's take a break uh, and then when we come back, I want to talk about Gibraltar. Gibraltar is okay. doing something really interesting in regards to its roads and how it pays for them. They are. So we'll, we'll break that down when we come back. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwannee Counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the women and children's center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. So Gibraltar has some roads. It does. Roads are a little expensive, right?
1: They are, and they've become even more expensive with, you know, supply chain crunches. Between 20 and 50% more are some of the estimates that some roads across the state and even across the country are receiving.
0: So a year ago, maybe two years ago, Gibraltar tried to pay for their roads in a way that was not super popular. And so now they've come up with a new way to try to pay for their roads.
1: Well, what they tried to do was just one project. And, uh, you know, assessing what they call the benefiting property owners is a very, 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 very very common practice. So you have a road project. You say how much it's going to cost. You say the town is going to pay X amount. And the benefiting property owners, based upon their square footage and all of the different formulas they have, are going to pay this much. So it's incredibly typical. It's also incredibly unpopular whenever it's used, wherever it's used. Some municipalities use it exclusively, others only use it periodically. And if you don't do it by the book, then you're going to surprise people who are already going to be upset about it anyway. And so it could surprise people and then make them even more upset about it. In any way that it happened, I mean, with that assessment that they wanted to help pay for sidewalks and lighting, it just didn't go over well. And the town decided to start exploring alternate methods.
0: Right, and what have they kind of landed on this time?
1: Well, they landed on what they believed is the most equitable they looked at a number of things. They looked at a wheel tax, which is a tax, which is also pretty widely used. And that means that anybody within the town who owns a car, who has a registered car would pay a certain tax. So there is a wheel tax, there's a Pratt tax that they don't qualify for, and there are special assessments. And then of course there is a bonding for it, levying, and then levying to pay that debt, which is always what towns do, and there is budgeting for it because we're already paying taxes, right? So they're budgeting a certain amount for roads. So they budget about $350,000 for roads. What they wanted to do is come up with the equitable way or what they believe is the equitable way to charge, to get more money for roads. And the transportation utility is one of those ways that other states have, I guess, earned revenue for roads. Wisconsin hasn't used it as much. So it's a relatively new funding mechanism in Wisconsin. Only six communities have actually implemented this. And this is according to the Wisconsin Policy Forum. They're going to be releasing a report on transportation utility fees. And that's coming out in a couple of weeks. But they said that there are six, to the best of their knowledge, who have adopted them, now Gibraltar included, and then another six communities are looking at them. So basically what a transportation utility does, at its, most, at its simplest essence, it treats a road like a utility, just as you would with an electric company or a water bill. And you receive a bill for using the road.
0: Right. So immediately my brain goes to, well, it's easy to gauge how much electricity I use. I have a meter, so they know exactly how much to charge me for how much electricity I use. But you can't do that as easy when it comes to using the road because there's no sort of monitoring uh, in your vehicle or anything like that. So can can you break down for me how they have come up with a way to charge people based on their usage.
1: Yes, so what they did was hire a consultant to help them, you know, build this transportation utility and the fee schedule that goes along with it. So since it's based on usage, on road usage, they needed to figure out how many times do residences, you know, travel the roads? How often does like a gas station, a business draw traffic? So the consultant used traffic studies and crunched some data and came up with a schedule of usage that it applied for Gibraltar. So all residences in Gibraltar, they decided to treat exactly the same with an average daily trip count or usage of 9.4 trips. So that's 9.4 times in and out of a driveway, And that includes not just the people who live there, but visitors and package delivery, fuel delivery, anytime that, you know, that driveway is actually used.
0: So part of me is like, okay, that sounds fair. (laughs) And then another part of me is like, now wait a minute. Right. Uh, So I, I'm going to play the role of the person who really wants to dissect this and and think about it nine times in and out of my driveway Mm -hmm. a day. Well, me and my wife both go to work, so mm-hmm. that's four. Yes. And let's say we need to run an errand. That's another two. Now we're at six. That's not nine. but <laughs> you know, it, it's an average, right? Yes. So if you take that, let's say uh, it's an older family with kids who are driving age. You know, you got two kids, now you're at nine. Sure right. So I. Guess-
1: but you are at that six. What about your male?
0: Well, that but I don't use that. Like I didn't drive there. No,
1: but because you have a residence that requires that service, then it is it is up to you. If you if you didn't require that service, then
0: all right, that's yes. fair. I see. Again, other part of me is like that sounds fair, but yeah. this part of me wants to, to to dissect it. I have another question. Yes. Um. But I'll I'll, I'll get to that after we've talked about the other types of.
1: Okay. Then there are businesses also. So residents are all charged the same, exactly the same. So there is a base fee that everybody is charged, all businesses and residences. And then there's the usage fee. And again, that usage fee is based on 9.4 trips for residents. Then for businesses, they're all broken down into different categories. So there's categories one through five and if you're, in ca- if you're a category one business, then that's going to be the lowest usage. If you're in category five, that's gonna be the highest usage. So the town and its staff categorized all of the businesses in the town of Gibraltar to put them where they believed they belong. So a gas station, for instance, would be an example of the highest usage. And then a church you know, would be like the lowest uh, sit down restaurant would be a more moderate use. So they categorized all of those. And then the square footage of the building also factors into it for businesses. So if I'm a gas station that is 5,000 square feet versus a gas station that is 500 square feet, then obviously I'm going to be drawing a lot more traffic as a bigger building. So what category the business is in and then the square footage of the building determines that usage rate.
0: Right, and these were were these kind of estimated based on just thinking about it or were they based on actual traffic counts?
1: So traffic counts. So the consultants are the one who came up with those categories of businesses. So they have traffic studies and analysis that breaks it down and, and applies it to the town of Gibraltar.
0: Okay. So here's the big question. Is there any way to differentiate between local traffic and traffic from tourism? No. Okay. So since we're a tourist destination, are numbers inflated at all?
1: Well, if you are a gas station in Door County on Highway 42 versus a gas station in some really, really, really rural county, then usage I imagine would be different. But They apparently have used Gibraltar, you know, they've applied all of their analysis to the town of Gibraltar and all of its characteristics, which is it's a tourist destination. It has, you know, hotels and restaurants and things that people travel to from, you know, other distances. They also have a special category, and this is for places like parks that have parking lots. So that includes Peninsula State Park. So that would be the highest usage for you know anything within the town of Gibraltar. So that would be paying this fee as well. And normally nonprofits are you know exempt from paying taxes, but this is a fee, and so they would be charged it too.
0: Who pays it then?
1: If you are a property owner, if you're the residents, you pay it.
0: No, who pays it for the the park?
1: The state of Wisconsin?
0: Oh. All right. Yeah. I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Except for that some people would say, well, you know, I already pay state taxes.
0: Oh, so I'm paying it anyway.
1: So you're paying it again. Oh, so man, that's that's how they get you. Yeah. There's going to be, there are people who do not believe that this is fair and where it has been put into place, like the town of Buchanan is the one that everybody is watching right now. They have been sued. They put a transportation utility in place in 2019. So they've been sued. And there is one of the other six that have implemented this that has also been sued outside of Milwaukee. So everybody's kind of looking at that because there's no case law yet. And it has been challenged with legislature also, with bills that were drafted. A Republican backed bill that was drafted last session, you know, thinks that this is, you know, illegal, that it's just a. way to tax people again. So, there was a bill that was drafted that didn't, you know, pass, but it said that if you char- if you use this, if you charge people a fee for roads, then you must reduce by that amount that you collect from your taxes. So, you can't levy that money that you're collecting through this fee. So, that didn't pass, but it shows you kind of what they're thinking about this. So, not everybody thinks it's fair. Not everybody thinks it's legal. And so, it is going to be worked out in the courts.
0: Interesting. Yes. I thought it was supposed to be the most equitable way to do it. And you're telling me it's unpopular?
1: Well, it's unpopular with some people, it's not unpopular with everybody. There was the town of Gibraltar held four actually public information sessions on this before they decided to pass it last week during a special session and there were definitely some people uh, just a couple people who were vehemently opposed to it others thought it was fair like we have roads we have to maintain roads we don't have enough money to do that how do we equitably pay for that by spreading the cost around they think it's more fair than a special assessment because a special assessment for instance if i'm on you know, Main Street in Fish Creek, then I'm paying a special assessment when how many millions of people use that road. So, you know, that clearly is not the most equitable way to do that. So that's, you know, that's what they're searching for. They just got a quote back for Cottage Row. They planned on doing Cottage Row Road this year. And it was, I think they estimated it was like 350000 something. And it came back like 750000 something. So the costs have skyrocketed so much. And municipalities are really, really searching for ways to pay for roads.
0: Right. So. Why do we have to keep the roads good?
1: Well, have you ever lived on a gravel road? No. Oh, my gosh. I lived in a gravel road before moving here. So in South Dakota, we lived on a gravel road. And the dust, always, always, always in the air. It's just really pretty nasty.
0: All right. So the I guess the- That's alternative. Well, yeah. I guess the, the libertarian viewpoint of this would be, well, I ride a bike to work, so why do I have to pay the same amount as somebody who drives a big pickup truck? Toward, mm-hmm. right? So that would be one viewpoint to say that this isn't fair. But the way that I always approach things like that is in college, a professor once, you know, we were, we were having a debate about how much we pay in tuition and why do I have to pay? Uh, there's a part of my tuition that goes to this facility that I don't use. And the way it was explained to us, which I, I think is, everybody can understand this, is I was a theater student. So I used the theater every day, but I almost never used the gym. Hmm. But if I didn't help pay for the gym, which is, you know, brings in the most amount of money of of all of us, then... It, like if they didn't, if the people who use the gym didn't also pay for the theater, there just wouldn't be enough money for each person to do the thing that they did. The gym would still probably be great, but the theater would be awful because right. there's just so few people who use it. But because everybody across the board pays a little bit for everything, even the stuff that they're not using, everything gets to be that much better.
1: And that's kind of the rationale behind looking for ways to equitably pay for infrastructure. And it's the same argument a lot of times that's used for the school tax. I mean, on your property taxes, one of the big chunks is paying for your local school district. And a lot of people, a lot of people who have aged out of having children within a school district will say, why do I have to pay this? I don't have kids who are in school. Now, not everybody says that, but there is definitely a portion of people who do. So it's for, you know, the next generation, like the elders were helping to educate your kids when they were paying taxes, you know, so it really is just a a way to try and make the things that, you know, we need to have affordable for everybody. But, you know, at what point do you go too far? And that's, I mean, things are expensive right now inflation is high, gas is ridiculous. So to be talking about putting in, you know, just another fee on people, you know, at some point you have to say, you know, is the timing right? You know, is this the right time to do this?
0: Right. And, and the other part of it is like, at what point do you start looking towards the future and looking for alternatives? So, like, I go right away to, is it less expensive to build pneumatic tubes, right? <laughs> so, you know how when you go to the to the bank, they have the pneumatic tube that shoots? Yes. Okay, so it. is that... Oh, I
1: thought you meant for humans. I, I do. Oh, I do.
0: Okay. I do. Is that less expensive than keeping up these darn old roads?
1: There you go. Yeah,
0: they just sit there and get hot in the sun. I'm thinking glass pneumatic tubes that can just shoot you to work.
1: Underground? No, keep
0: them above ground. They look cool.
1: But aren't those going to get hot, too?
0: They're glass. It just goes right through. (laughs) So it's fine.
1: So the pneumatic tube infrastructure. Yeah. So we're going to have a tax for that. Definitely. Yeah.
0: But is that less expensive than dirty old dusty roads that just sit there and don't do nothing for nobody?
1: And maintaining every year. Yeah. Year after year after right. year. We yeah. can
0: just do pneumatic tubes. There's so there's so little room on the ground for this stuff, but there's so much room in the air.
1: There really is, and I thought we would be flying around yeah. to work by now. I did. I thought, you know, twenty twenty two absolutely we're going to be flying around. Yeah,
0: I think it's great when you go back to like the like media in the 70s and 80s or literature from even before that when they would describe the future and the years that they'd put on it, they'd mm-hmm. be like in 2019 we're right. going <laughs> to have flying cars and <laughs> robots that take care of us,
1: similar to what we'll be doing right now.
0: Yeah. Whereas <laughs> now it's like, oh, we well, might have that kind of thing in like 2090, yeah, 3000. But it's just so funny how they were like, the year 2000 sounds so far away. Let's use that.
1: Well, think about 3000. If we started using 3000, I mean, doesn't that definitely seem things would be very different? Yeah. And if you think about it, in the 1970s, how much things really have changed since the 2000s. Right. It is almost an unrecognizable world.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So there is some basis of truth there.
0: The the last little sidebar that I'll do before we wrap this up is I love looking at what like 80s media thought technology would look like in the future because it's not it's not that. They thought everything was going to be bigger and grander and huge but in reality it's all gotten much smaller. Yes. And so now when you think like what's the next step? Like nobody thought of cell phones in the 80s. But when you look at technology now, it's all transparent. Like somebody will bring up a tablet and it'll just be a plane of glass that you can see through. That's that's what we think is the future.
1: Yes. Well, or actually not even having devices that are external to your body. Like I think that it's just going to be in my contact lenses and it's going to be, you know, my future hearing aids and it's going to be, you know, on my person as opposed to having to hold something because really, isn't that a lot to hold something? So that's what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: If you want to sit down with me for an hour and talk about the computational rapture, I'd be happy to do that (laughs) because I think that that's, (laughs) That's worth talking about, but I don't think that we have time for it in this episode. okay. Is there anything else about the the Gibraltar utility tax idea that we haven't talked about? Oh, there is
1: tons, but I mean, I think that we summarized it definitely, you know, good good enough. I mean, the there is a much more complete rundown in this week's issue of the pulse.
0: All right. last thing,, uh, what's up with the traffic counters? They're doing it everywhere, right?
1: Oh, those little tubes that are across the road? Yeah, I talked to um, the Department of Transportation this morning because I noticed that they're, you know, really, even on roads that I travel, which are not main roads. So what I learned in a nutshell is that every 10 years, they do a really massive traffic data collection effort. And Dora County is up for that. So it's going to be going on, you know, for over the next month, even though they're in... Each location, only about 48 hours at a time. They're going to be rotated around the county, and I'll have more of that next week. Have I
0: missed these? I don't think I've driven over one.
1: Where did you go up 42? Yeah. I don't know where they are up there, but they are on County Road I, which I take, and they're on 42 north of that. They were in Jacksonport, so you would have gone right by. You would have gone right over them.
0: Yeah, I guess I didn't notice.
1: Maybe you didn't notice. They're really small. They're Kind of inconspicuous.
0: All right. Well, if anybody else is really confused, wondering, you will know next week.
1: <laughs> what are the tubes across right. the road?
0: Not to be confused with the pneumatic tubes in the sky that I'm proposing. Right. All right. <laughs> Deb, thank you so much for chatting with me.
1: Thanks for inviting me, Andrew. Always a pleasure.
0: All right. I will talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at the Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com/shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.